I want you for a moment to imagine with me that you got invited to be in a room um, that you didn't deserve to be in, but, but someone gave you all, all access to this room. And in this room that you have access to is nothing but the Spirit of God. Man, the Spirit of God. Have you ever been just one-on-one with the Spirit of God? Man, with God Almighty and you're just worshiping Him? Man, can you imagine getting invited to a room that you could go in any time you wanted? And there's the room and it is just full of the presence of God. And in this room is everything that you would ever need uh, to do or be to be like God. In other words, everything that this, the only thing that's in this room are, are opportunities to become more like God. By the way, how many of y'all like want to be more like God? You know, good, good, because uh, I'm not sure the church really wants to be like God. In fact, sometimes when you're preaching about who God is, it's like, whoa, whoa. No, man, do you understand that that's the beauty of heaven? Is we're going to see God in his full glory and we're going to be like him. That's the goal. If you don't want to be like God, man, you better check your salvation on that because that's what it's about. And so, again, imagine you get an all-access pass to this room. You can go in it anytime you want. You can stay in it as long as you want. And in this room is everything you would ever need, desire, to hope for to be like God. Man, it's full of grace. <laughs> grace is the desire and ability to do God's will. Grace is undeserved favor. Man, where you go in, it's just you're showered. You were talking about that shower yesterday, man. It's like, that's just one day, dude. You just got showered with gifts. And you appreciate those. Those are things you need and you don't have to buy now in your budget, your meager budget. And, uh, and so, but can you imagine everything? You walk in this room and there's everything you could hope for, everything you want, everything you need. And I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about more important things like, like peace, Chuck, right? Is there anything better than peace? No, man, peace, love, joy, uh, the ability to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. And you can hang out in that room forever. And in that room, can you imagine that? So that's your that's your hideaway. Gary, you're out here in this world, man. It's like and it's getting rough. You go in and in here is where you get your confidence. In here is where you see the right perspective. In here is where you're empowered. And in this room is where also, man, on the walls is your future. Everything that you're going to see in heaven. How many of y'all would like to walk into a room that way? Yeah, you know, they, they used to call it a prayer, prayer closet, things like that. But man, how many of y'all would love to live in a room? If you had a room literally where you could walk and have all access, man, how many of y'all would go in that room? Anybody go in that room? How many of y'all would have already gone in it today? You'd be there instead of today, here, right? I'm just saying, you know, and so let me ask you a question. So you have access to this room. You're in this room. It's great when you're in this room. Everything you need's in this room. God's in this room. Why would you ever get out of that room? Why would you ever leave, Gary? You wouldn't, but, but you do. Because <laughs> today I'm going to show you all have that room. But why would somebody leave that room? In that room is everything that God wants you to do. Everything that God has determined is the very best for you. All this equipment you need, all the skills you need, all the resources you need. Why would somebody leave that room? Why would you leave that room? When would you leave that room? Some of y'all are going, I wouldn't leave that room. Yes, you would. You did it yesterday. 
Oh, yeah, because in this room might not be, I want something else. But you know that what's out there is so inferior, but you want what you want anyways. And so you leave the room. And when you leave the room, Sean, you're out there and you're grunting it out, trying to get your way and everything. And when you find, when is it that you finally go back into the room? Yeah, when you fail, you're like, this is not what I expected. And you come back in. And so today, what we're going to look at in Romans chapter 5, it, it, the way Paul kind of described it, he's done with Abraham now, but he tells us that basically, it, when, I, when I read it, and especially when I read it in the message, it almost says you have access to this room. And man, all these things are poured out on you. Here it is. And you can stay in this room forever. But yet our carnality, which we're not going to talk about too much today, is going to take us out. I want to, I want to sell you a room, man. <laughs> you grew up in Orlando, didn't you? Do you remember Art Grendel Dodge? There was a giant, bigger, as big as this building. This dude was a narcissist, I think. But he had this giant thing, and it was a human being on there. It was Art Grendel, and it had a moving arm. He was a car salesman. I want to sell you a car. You can look it up. Google it up. It's famous, world famous. It's not there anymore, but it was world famous. One of the seven wonders of the world. But anyways, in Orlando growing up back before Disney, but... I want to sell your room, man. I, you already own this room. I want you to spend more time in this room. I want you to envision this room. I want this to not be your escape. I want it to be where you live. And, and I want you, whenever you find yourself out of this room, I want you to slam the door open, man, and, and, and come in and find your solace, find your rest, find your satisfaction. I want to, I want to encourage you to live in this room. This is the room that Paul's going to be talking to us about. And, and in this, we're going through revival through Romans. Because in Romans, every week, if you will take what we're learning, man, you can have revival. You understand more of what we have in the risen, exalted Christ. And um, it's pretty awesome. And so today, what we're going to really see in this room is that no matter what your situation is, you can have the peace of God. You can have the peace of God in any situation that you are in. I don't care where you're, where you're located. I don't care what's going on right now, but you can always have the peace of God. It's as your access. Here's the room. There's the door. And you have access to it. We're going to see whenever you want to go live in that room. It doesn't mean your circumstances change, but it, what it means is you can have the peace of God because you have made peace with God. It is only when you make peace with God through justification by faith that when you have that peace with God that you have access to that room. Until that point, you don't have access to it. And so that's our thought today. We have the peace of God. In fact, in Colossians, he even says, he said, let the peace of God rule your heart. Let it be the umpire, the judge in your heart. He wants to give us peace. And Chuck, man, what's more valuable than peace? Nothing, dude, man, the world's, it's a world not always been trying to find peace. I remember, uh, I, I was, I always joke, I was raised by hippies. That was because my mom was in the hospital when I was growing up. Um, my brother and sister were 11 and 14 years older and me and taking care of me. I'll never forget my brother. He came home with a peace sign. Y'all remember the peace sign? 
And when, the, when those came out, he came home with a peace sign, man, a, a poster he was going to, he bought it, the infinite mushroom. <laughs> and, he, and he was going to put it, yeah, guess what the infinite mushroom was, the original head shop, all right? I'm just saying, but people were looking for peace and what they smoked and what they drank, what they, and, and getting away from the man and getting away from corporations that are greedy and getting away from society and creating our own peace. But guess what? Did they find peace? No, they didn't find peace because they didn't have peace. There's only one source of peace, and, it, and it's Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I remember him bringing this poster. I mean, my mom's like, what are you going to do with that thing? You're going to burn it, right? My mom, he's like, no, mom, it's a peace sign. See, I don't want your kind of peace. I want peace. You know, my mom was like, you can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. And you're not bringing that upside down broken cross into my house. You ever think about that? When the offers came down, we accept it, dude. We're here. And I, again, I'm not telling you don't have peace. Uh, I, I'm just saying every time you look at it, I want you to see it is an upside down broken cross. That was how it was developed. Because you know what? We don't need Christ for peace. We're going to come up with our own peace. We're going to have a commune. We're going to get along. We're going to make our own rules. People all for generations have been trying to do this. But you can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. Amen. There's one source of peace. It's Jesus Christ. And when we live life from his perspective, by living in this room that he's going to show us, you can have peace in the middle of the worst chaos this world has to offer. And is the world getting more peaceful? No, we got an election cycle going up. I'm just saying, it's going to get worse. And I'm not like wishing it, but you know, the only thing we learn from history is we don't learn, right? So again, you're going to need to find peace in something other than a political system and other than your government, other than your bank account, other, other than whatever you're finding peace in, you're going to have to find it in the only place that it's possible to find it. And it's in Christ as you're going through what God has designed to have you go through. So revival through Romans, we have the peace of God in all situations. You have it. You have a room. How many of y'all got a shed? Anybody have a shed? You got a shed? All right, what do you got in your shed? All sorts of, yeah, you see, you ever been to Chuck's shed? Oh my goodness, dude, which one? But I'm just saying, you got a shed and you have all these riches in your shed, right? How many of y'all got riches in your shed? That's why you won't let your wife throw them out, right? Or sell them in a garage sale, right? They're riches. Even though you don't need them right now, you might need them in the future. I got, I don't have a shed. I got a garage, dude, and it's like loaded. Well, I have an attic, and I have, I have my son's old room, and I have the kitchen, and I have, I have the back porch, and I, yeah, they're all stuff. But the shed, when, do you always have access to that shed? Always. But when can you really enjoy everything in the shed? Because you don't get to go in it. If you, you have to go in the shed to basically see what you have and to be able to use the things that are in it. That's what God's got a shed full of blessings. In Ephesians, he even says, man, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing from heaven. Remember when we were preaching in Ephesians? We had a spigot connected to heaven, and then there was a hose, and then the, there was a, there was a, a nozzle 
The hose is the Holy Spirit, and the nozzle is what God has given us to be able to take the blessings from heaven and squirt others with. It's not for us to shower. We squirt others, and when you squirt others point blank in the face of Dean, what happens to you? It comes right back on you. And if you're squirting them with blessings from heaven, chances are they want that. And it comes back on you, and you get wet. Revival through Romans, we have the peace of God in every situation. That's our shed full of, full of peace. But you only access it when you actually access it. You can only experience it when you go live in that shed, when you go in that shed. And that's what hopefully we learn today. Because we have peace with God, we can have peace in every situation in which we live. How many of y'all could use a little more peace? Yeah. I hope we will learn to live in this room, this shed, if you will. So it's going to be Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. And uh, starting off, he says, therefore. I had a seminary professor back in the day. He said, whenever you see a therefore, you look to the previous verses to see what the therefore is therefore. And, and so he spent all this time in the first four chapters talking about justification by faith. And what that is. So he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. So he tells us kind of what that is. So we have to look at it. We've been preaching on it for weeks. You're like, I already know what justification. You already preached on that. Well, I'm going to preach again because just like your kids, you didn't get it the first time. All right. But the point is, is we have to be reminded. And, and I'll go. I'll, I'll, I got so much more stuff to go. But I have to I have to at least touch this because it's in the scripture. He said, all of this, you have access to the shed because you have been justified by faith. And when you were justified by faith, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So start with the very first part about being justified by faith. That's what this shirt is. That's what that symbol is back here. This black on this shirt represents sin that I came into this world with. All right. I came into the world with this sin. We're going to learn later in Romans chapter six. You were an enemy to God when you came into this world. If you ever wanted anything godlike, anything good, it was not because you love God and you wanted to bring God glory. That's the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person. When you get saved, you want to do things for God's glory. You do it because you love him. And that's the motivation. You were doing it for who? Who are you doing it for? Yeah, put your thumbs up. Hey, put your thumbs up and say, me. Everybody, come on, man. Help me out. Help me out. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. Worship aerobics here. Who were you doing it for? Yeah, yeah. You were doing it for you, and you still are sometimes every time you get outside the shed. And so in this, man, we had sin. We had sin. We might have been doing good things. We were doing it with the wrong motivation. It's sin. Can I cover this up? I'm trying to cover up my sin, right? But guess what? There it is on the back. Oh, I can't even reach back there, but there it is on the front. I can't. Can we cover our sin? No, there's no way we can cover our sin. And can you take your sin away? No, you can't take it away. So the red tells me, reminds me of the only one who could cover my sins and take my sins away. Why did I need him covered and take away? Because sin is punishable by death. When you sin, you have earned a death penalty from God, according to Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, what you earn, is eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there's wrath. Sin must be punished. How many of y'all ever did anything? Brad, when you were little, did you do something and you got spanking? 
Were your parents of the spanking age? All right, I don't want you to ask a lot of these little kids. They don't even know what a spanking is, dude. And I can tell. No, I'm just joking, but no, I'm messing with you. However you choose to discipline, just make sure it's biblical and the Word of God does say that uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And the rod in Hebrew is anything from a twig to a battle club. Therefore, parents, you need wisdom. All right? And I said what I said on worldwide, you know, whatever this is. But yeah, you did, you, you did something, and you got a spanking. Man, that, and, and, and I don't know, man, I got a lot of spankings when I was little. If there would have been somebody that would have taken, did anybody ever take your spanking for you? No, your brother, did you have any siblings? Younger, and, and you couldn't talk them into it. Now, as good an instigator as I was, I couldn't talk my little sister and take one spanking for me. Yeah, but again, Christ. That's literally on the cross from 12 noon to 3 o'clock when it was pitch dark. And he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was taking the punishment for every sin you and I committed in the past, in the present, and would commit in the future. He was taking the spanking for it. And spanking is just a under, uh, it's just not even a good way of even saying it, but we can understand it. He took the punishment for our sins, including the ones we're going to take. He took them all. So if he took them all, Chris, how many of them are left for you to take? None. Even the ones you're going to commit, he took all of those. He took the punishment for them. He paid the wrath. That's what this justification. He took your sinful life. He took your messed up life and said, I'm going to put that on me and take the punishment for it. And I'm going to take them and I'm going to give you my perfect life. That's what justification is. You, if you're a born again believer, you have got Christ's perfect life on you. And so now you are justified. It means justify not sin. That's how I've heard it explained before. But it's kind of a legal term in the respect that it means that it's accounted to you. It, it, it's accounted to you to be perfect. Carolee, you are now accounted to be perfect. God count, he, he looks at your account and says, you are perfect. Johnny, is she perfect? Oh, uh, stop, stop, stop. Carolee, Carolee, are you perfect? No, heck no. <laughs> no. And, and uh, right, but... God looks at your account and says you're perfect because Christ paid it. And that's what's there and no one can ever take that away. So there is what justification is. You're not perfect, but, but God looks at your account and says you are because he gave you Christ's account. Doesn't sound like a good deal for Christ, but it is because he's exalted above everyone else. He wanted to do it out of love. Brandon, he took your account. You got a messed up account, bro? Yeah, he took it. And, 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 he, and he gave you his account. But he already paid for all of us. So there's nothing left for you to pay. You have access now. to So you are justified. So he says, therefore, since we've been justified, you had sin, you couldn't cover it up, you couldn't take it away. But Christ, by his blood, paid for it. Somebody's got to pay for it. And there's only two kinds of people in the world we've learned through this justification. Those who believe that I cannot pay for it and I need what Christ did on the cross to pay for it, or I'm going to pay for it myself one day. I'll stand before God and I'll just work things out, man. 
What a ridiculous idea when you look at Scripture and who God is. What a great idea when you look at Scripture and look who God is to let him pay for it. Amen? That's the only two kinds of people there are in the world. So since we have been justified by faith, that's a pretty crazy story, isn't it? That Christ, Steve, isn't that crazy? Christ, I'm telling you, Christ took your messed up life and paid for it. He took the punishment for it, everything, and, and gave you his perfect life. What the F word? What do you need to be able to believe that? Faith, yeah. Because that's a crazy story, isn't it? Almost as crazy if a bunch of people were getting bit by snakes. And they're like, God, save us from the snakes. And tells Moses, well, make a stick and put a snake on the statue. And, and Andy, you tell your little girls, if there's a snake latched on their leg, pumping venom in them, all they got to do is look at that statue. You logically are thinking, I think I need to take them to the, to the clinic. I need to go suck the poison out of their leg. I need to get this. But God just said, look at the pole. Look at the snake. And by faith that they looked at the snake, what happened? They were healed. There's a picture of what Christ would do if by faith you can look and believe this. And he gives you the faith to believe it. But if you can look at it and believe that, you are justified by faith. So he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, because for the last few chapters, that's all we've talked about is justified by faith. So by Christ's payment, we now have a home in heaven. Right? That's what this gold is. We have a home in heaven, and that's guaranteed. But while we are here, this green represents that he's going to give us opportunities to grow, to grow more in love with him, to become more like him. And because that's what we're ultimate goal, when we get to heaven, we're going to be just like him. So the more we can be like him now, the better it will be. The Jews, when he came the first time, wanted external peace. Kick Rome's tail. Let us be in charge. He said, no, no I'm going to give you something better than that, bro. I'm going to give you something internal that nobody can take away. I'm going to give you love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. All these things the world can't take from you. Things that are never going to change. But you got to come live in this room. So therefore, since we have been justified by faith... This is it. If you have been justified by faith, if you believe what Christ did was the only way that your sins could be paid for and you believe it and you trust it and you know you're going to heaven, the rest of this chapter belongs to you. If it doesn't, this is where you start. And then you're going to see what you're missing. I want to sell you a room. <laughs> Are you justified by faith? Did you think there's anything you can add to your salvation? Is there anything you can do? So often in Christianity, here's the way it is. Oh, I'm justified by faith, and, 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 and so I'm saved by faith, but now we come up with some legalistic way to keep ourselves saved. Some legalistic thing we have to do or not do to bring ourselves in and out of favor with God, and we're going to see how that is straight out of the pit of hell. So therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? peace. And I really don't know where that comes from because I, I remember this was like during one of the world wars. Wasn't this a sign for victory? I think that was a victory sign. Maybe because you have victory, you have peace. I really don't know where that came from. And I, and I don't even know if my mom was right about the upside down, broken down, broken cross, but I am saying that that is what it is. <laughs> and, and, and the world is forever trying to find their own peace. But here's where the peace comes from. He said, being since you've been justified by faith, you have peace. You have peace. Now, 
So that means, Chuck, you got a big old shed. Hey, uh, Benjamin, it means you got a big old warehouse. Big old warehouse full of stuff, right? But it don't do you any good unless you do what? You got to go in and use it. You got to go live in there. You got to go visit it. You got to you use the things that are in there. You can have it and have access to it, but you can still be miserable and spiritually broke because you don't access it. You don't go in there. So he said, we have peace. And by faith, we believe. How many of y'all have thought this week you did? There, you ran into a couple situations where you did not have peace. Anybody? Fernanda, you didn't have peace on Wednesday, right? I'm not going to bring it up. You didn't have peace a couple times. Anybody? MJ. You worked for Amazon. Was there even an inkling of a moment you didn't have peace? Yeah. How many of y'all had a moment, just had a moment where I didn't have peace? You know what? That's a lie. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You did have peace. You just didn't access it. And I'm talking about me too. And you're like, well, if you would have had 150 little kids running around, you at a 140 degree playground. I'm just messing with my wife because she does a great job. You know the testimony of it? We were walking through Walmart last night, man. And uh, we were walking through Walmart, and there's a little family, and they're like, oh, oh, there's Miss Frederick, oh, my God. You know, it was like, wow, all right. You know, they, they love her, man. So, you know, it was like, all right. So I know she's doing a good job and all that and uh, in that situation. But I met somebody else. I'm trying to think. During the week, I was somewhere, and I was doing something, and and she was like, oh, yeah, my kid, uh, oh, yeah, my, my wife's a, a, oh, I was buying my wife a, a, a gallon water jug, <laughs> the, a nice one. And the girl's like, oh, I said, she's a PE teacher and she needs it right now. And, and the lady said, well, where does she teach? I said, Longwood. And she said, my kid went to Longwood last year. Now they go to this other, and, and what was her name? I said, Miss Frederick. Oh, I know her. I said, what's she mean? <laughs> What you mean? And, and they're like, oh, no, my son loved her. I'm like, all right, good. You've got peace. You've always got peace. You just got to open the door and walk in it by seeing life from God's perspective. And we're going to learn about what's in this room to help us access this peace. <clears throat> but right now, every time you don't have peace, you know what it is? You think you don't have peace. It's a lie. You feel like you don't have peace. It's a lie. You, maybe you don't really want peace because your identity has become your problem. And you don't know what you would do without a victim card. And you got to get rid of that because God says, as a believer, you have what? You have it. Is God a liar? Have you been justified by faith? So you have what? Peace. So anytime you see somebody in here, in your family, justified by faith, and they don't have peace, they quit living that lie. You have peace. Well, I don't feel like, oh, that's a problem. You don't feel like you have peace. Well, I don't think, that's a problem. You don't think you have peace. And it might even be a problem. You don't want peace. But God says you have peace. How many of y'all want to live with somebody with peace? How many of y'all, yeah, everybody does. And I can't wait till I do. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm talking about me. Because <laughs> we live with ourselves a lot. So every time we don't have peace, we got to realize it's a lie. Because God says we have peace. That's what faith is. Believing what God says over what we think, over what we feel, and over what we want. 
It's a lie when you don't have peace. He said, you have peace with God. Who would be the worst enemy in the world to ever have? Bob, who would be the worst enemy to have? I'll give you a hint. Begins with G, ends with D, and O in the middle. Who would be the worst enemy to have, y'all? God. Can you imagine if God was your enemy? He was when you came in this world. God would be a horrible enemy because could God ever run out of bullets? <laughs> would God ever run out of ways to mess you up? Would God, ever, would God ever run out of resources? And I'm not saying that's what he would do, but if you know, did any of y'all ever spend any time running from God? Any of y'all? And you thought you were going to outrun him, right? <laughs> he, he caught up, didn't he? Oh, easy. He could have caught up any time he wanted. A horrible enemy. And he didn't want to be your enemy. He's pursuing you, right, Bob? He's pursuing you because he loves you more than anyone could ever love. He wants to have this relationship with you. So, man, we have been justified, but we have peace with God. God is no longer our enemy. He's our friend. Hey, so if he's our enemy, do we need to, if he's an enemy, we got to be scared of him, right? If he's our enemy, we're hiding from him. If it's our enemy, we're trying to do something other than what he wants us to do. But if he's not our enemy, JT, we can come in. <laughs> we can just come in, right? And we can hang out with him. He loves us as opposed to being our enemy. And once you're justified by faith, he is not your enemy. Any of y'all ever had such a rotten day where you did such rotten things that you felt like God was your enemy? None of y'all besides me? Come on. You never felt like, oh, dude, boy, I'm hiding from God today. You can't hide from him, but that's also bad theology. In fact, what you need to do is you need to climb into this room of grace. And we're going to look at that in a minute. But the thing I want you to know is if you are justified by faith, you have peace with God. He's no longer your enemy and it was because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what this says. The only way to have peace with God, and that includes eternal peace, is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's, and that's verse one of this. So do you have that? Are you justified by faith? Do you have peace? Yes, if you are. You just got to recognize, you got to believe it by faith over your feelings, over your thoughts, and over even your own desires. It came through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who when God raised Christ from the dead, said, I'll accept that as payment. That's what we learned last week. Through him, look at this, we have also, so wouldn't it be good enough just to, and wouldn't it be good enough just to have peace with God? How many of y'all, how many of y'all have like an, an enemy in your neighborhood? How many of y'all ever had a feud? How, all right, how many, I see people like, how many of you in your condo, man? I'm running for the board next year, because this, how many of y'all have had somebody living in your proximity that just got under your skin, man? You know, yeah, yeah. So, so wouldn't it just be good enough to have peace with this person, especially if they were right and you were wrong? But no, that doesn't happen. You don't know, they're always wrong and I'm always right. Well, that's what we thought about God too, wasn't it? But the fact, let's imagine you do have a perfect neighbor. How many of y'all, you had a perfect neighbor, Scott? Would you have run-ins with a perfect neighbor? Yeah, because you're not perfect. And he would always be expecting perfection. That's what my neighbors have to deal with. You get it? No, and yours, all right? But 
wouldn't it be good enough just to have peace and not be at war with that person anymore? Wouldn't that be enough just to have peace and be able, oh, they're not going to sabotage my house. Oh, they're not going to put more rules and make things messed up. They're not going to do this. They're not. Wouldn't it just be great if you had peace with them? That's what it, it seems like it'd be good enough just to have peace with God. Amen. But through him, we have also <laughs> look, there's more. Wait, there's more, and only pay shipping and handling. No, there's more. You have peace with God, but look at this. You have also obtained what? What's this next word? Access. Access. In the way that this Greek word access is written, it means once you get it, you got it. Have any of y'all ever made the mistake say, hey, my house is your house. The door's open anytime. Come on in. Any of y'all ever said that? And then sorry you said that later. <laughs> well, God's not sorry he said that. He gave you when you were justified by faith, destiny. He said, I give you access to my house, to my room that's full of all this. You have access anytime you want. Isn't that great? You don't have to make an appointment. You have access to God Almighty because you're at peace with him. Wouldn't it be, uh, again, Benjamin, wouldn't it be horrible to have a giant warehouse full of all kinds of supplies for a business, but you don't realize that you can actually go in it? You have the key. You've been told, go, and you're like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to go. It might, be, it might be different now. The key might not work. This might not what are all the excuses that we hear why we don't have access to Almighty God? You do, and He loves you. And, and you don't remember I told you in this room? In this room is everything you need to become like God. We're going to learn about some of those things, but one of the coolest things we have to become like God, Michelle, is this. You become like the ones you hang out with. Do you know that? Do you agree with that? You lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. That's the bad side of it. But you become like the ones you hang out with, right? Well, if you're hanging out with God, who are you going to become like? Like God. Maybe that's what some of y'all's problems are. Why y'all got them sour, pickle-sucking Christian faces. That you ain't hanging out with God. You're hanging out with a bunch of Christians in all the same boat. Now, hang out with God and you become like who? God, you have access and once he's given you access, can access ever be denied? No, and that's going to mess up some of y'all's theology. Well, if I do this, I can't do this until I repent. Until... No, you can't repent until you have access, until you go back and, and you talk it out with him and work it out with him. You've been justified by faith. Christ's righteous life's been put on you. You have all-time access. I ain't talking where you got 10 people sharing a Netflix code. Remember those days? Then Netflix, we ain't doing that no more, man. No, you get your own Netflix account. And by the way, don't. It's horrible. But anyways, I, I, but that's kind of, man, God gives you your own account with him. and You cannot be denied access. He cannot because he promised you access on your worst day as well as your best day. And by the way, which one's your worst day and which one's your best day? You ever have those days where like, God, I'm pretty walking pretty good, man. God, you should be pretty happy to have me today. Come on, anybody felt that way? 
Woo, I've been doing pretty good with God. Yeah, man, me and God, we're home, we're buds, right, tiny? And then there's other days where you're like kind of hiding in the bushes from them, like Adam and Eve, right? You know, ever. That's not, that's not your deal with him. He loves you, and you can't hide from him. And, and what's the worst thing to do on your worst day? Hide from him, right? You need him more than anything on that day. And by the way, when you think you're having your best day, like, oh, God's lucky to have me. You're so full of stinking pride. That's your worst day. Your best day is when you're humble and you realize who you are in sight of a holy, righteous God. So, man, through him, we have also obtained access. By what? Do you understand all this stuff comes by faith? Faith. What is faith? Faith is believing what God said in spite of what you think, in spite of what you feel, and in spite of what you want. You get that? That's what almost the whole New Testament, when Paul writes, the whole armor of God is protecting your thoughts, protecting your feelings, and protecting your desires, making it so that if you have any one of those things against God, those lose. Your thoughts, if they ever go against God, they are wrong. And by faith, you have to plow through them. You have to put them away. What I'm thinking is wrong. But I have this reality right in front of me. There is no peace. You don't know this condo association. You don't know my neighbor. You don't know my sin. God said you have peace. And the only way you're going to have peace is by faith, believing, throwing the thought out that peace is, is not possible. I have peace. Now, God, show me where I have peace. Show me how I have peace. God, inundate me with peace. Take over my feelings because I don't feel very peaceful, man. I want to give them a little peace of my mind, and you know I can't afford that. <laughs> God, so we've got to always be overcoming those feelings, overcoming those thoughts and the wrong desires that our feelings and thoughts have given us. You go to God's word and what God's word says, that's what you have. So through him, we also obtained access by what? Faith. Are there days and there are times where you don't feel like you have access to God? God, you're not even listening. The psalmist even felt that way. God, where are you? God, why aren't you speaking? God, why aren't you? God, you know why he's not? Because he doesn't need to at that time. You already have enough info. You already have enough instructions from him. Maybe go back to the last time you repented and take care of that. Maybe that's what he wants to straighten out in that room in there. We're going to learn more about that in a minute. But the fact is, is if God, you need to hear from God, if you need to hear from him, he'll speak. To speak to your heart. Fortunately, not audibly because you would die. <laughs> He'll speak to your heart. How many of y'all have God, had God direct you and speak to your heart? Yeah, it's through his word. You read his word. When you read his word, you know how, I, I remember talking to Sean about this out in the water one time. It's like, or wherever we were at, but it was like, here's how God speaks. You read his word and you say, God, what do you want me to do with this? And what do you want me to do with this? And he will show you how to apply his word. And that's how he speaks, just through his word. Be careful if he's speaking in other ways and it's, not, and it's contrary to his word. If it's contrary to his word, that is straight out of the pit of hell. And Satan is a great deceiver that can act like God. That's all he wanted to be was like God. So through him, we have obtained access by faith. We have, we have peace with God. 
So when we go knock on his door, have you ever had a neighbor where you went to knock on the door and you weren't sure if they were gonna, how they were going to respond? Have you ever just knocked on your bedroom door and your wife was in there and you weren't sure how they were going to respond because you got in a fight or something? Oh, like y'all never done that before, huh? <laughs> it's not like it happens all the time. <laughs> but, but literally, have you ever knocked on a door thinking that you probably you wondered whether you had access or not? How are they going to respond? Well, you don't have to wonder with God. When you knock on the door, what's the response? Chuck, what's the response when you knock on God's door? He throws the door open. Woohoo! It's Chuck! Yeah! Oh, I've been waiting for you to come talk to me. And, and you know what? Sue, you don't have to wait for Chuck to be done with God. Oh, God's just going to have a big old party and can treat us all as individuals because he's omniscient, omnipresent, and he's awesome. <laughs> He's omni-awesome. That's what he is, omni-awesome. That's my new word for all three of those. But anyways, yeah, you have access always. Who would not want to go to God? Sean, who would not want to go to God? You when you want your own way. Yeah, it's like a bank robber looking for a cop. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to go to God because you already know what he's going to say. You don't want to hear what he has to say. Instead, in your pride and stubbornness, you're going to do this, and you might mix a little spirituality in it because you know once you go in the room with God, it's God's way. It's all God's way. That's all that's in there. So through him, we have obtained access into this room by faith into, look at this, into this what? Grace in which we, how many of y'all ever stood in something you wished you hadn't stood in? Anybody? You ever stood in something? You're like, oh, dang. Or uh, playing disc golf, Gavin. How about that? We're out there, Stephen playing disc golf. And, and the other day, and JJ's like, uh, you're standing in ants. <laughs> Any of y'all ever stood in ants? And when you stand in ants, you know what they do, man? They don't bite you, the first one, dude. They wait till they get a 1,000, and they blow a whistle. And then it's like, whoa! And then you jump in an alligator-infested lake to drown them. And you got more problems, but... Yeah, you're standing in ants, man, and they're going to permeate everything. But here, God's not got you standing in ants. Look what he's got you. When you go into his room, into his presence, the one that you have access with, where the Holy Spirit is there to teach you everything you need to know and bring to remembrance everything he's already taught and empower you to do whatever it is God wants you to do. When you stand in that room, you are waist deep. T J T, what you what do you waste deep in? Grace, grace, man. Would it not? You're 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 treading grace, man. You got it over your head, and you can breathe in it somehow. You're covered in grace. Have you ever been covered in grace? Yes, you have, and you have access to be covered in grace anytime you want. Grace is the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do, but. What's your other definitions for grace? Remember the acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expenses, expense. Anybody heard that before? <clears throat> Back in the day? It's God's riches. It's a gift from God that you didn't deserve, right, Kevin? Grace is getting, so you've heard the saying before, what, what is mercy, y'all? Not getting what you deserve, right? Not getting it. How many of y'all have ever had God's mercy? You did not get what you deserve, right? But grace is getting more than you deserve. And you know what he says? Here's access to a room that you can go into where you get more than what you deserve. 
But you know what the problem is? He pointed this at me, so I'm going to point it at you guys. As I'm studying this, he said, you know what your problem is? He said, my problem is that I live in a room of mercy. My problem is that more than living in a room of grace, I live in a room of mercy. Often I knock on the door, I got access, but I'm kind of scared of what's going to happen when I come to God fully in this. And I'm hoping he doesn't hit me with a giant fly swatter. I'm hoping he doesn't spank me. I'm hoping he doesn't make me, he doesn't correct me and punish me and hurt me. And I'm, again, do you ever come to God? Mercy is great. It's not getting what you deserve. We know what we deserve often unless we've seared our conscience. But there's one thing coming into a room and, and with God and saying, God, oh, please have mercy on me and don't give me what I deserve, Right? And there's a difference with coming in in grace and coming in and saying, God, give me more than what I deserve. And you know what? God, I'm coming in here to get more than what I deserve. And, and you know, when you get more than what you deserve, he's going to straighten you out. Part of straighten, you're going to see in a minute, that's how he's going to correct you. That's how he's going to fix you is through grace, not through scaring you with mercy. And again, mercy is awesome, but if you're always coming to God, how many of y'all have ever had a split moment in your life where you were like, I'm cool, I have done nothing wrong, everything is clear in my conscience, I have not done anything wrong, I am in great shape right now. And you, and you actually analyzed it and it was true. Anybody? No. So anytime you walk into that room with God, begging, you know, and you're coming in, it's a room, you think it's a room full of mercy, Oh, I hope I don't get what I deserve. I hope I don't get what I deserve. And God's like, no, I'm going to give you more than you deserve, which will take care of the mercy also and straighten you out. He straightens us out with grace, not mercy. Does that make sense? Something you can think about, like y'all thought about the whole hope and belief thing. I've heard from a lot of y'all like, dude, you messed my head up. <laughs> I'm going to mess it up even more because we're going to talk about hope in a minute. <clears throat> but listen. It's time we start walking into the room with grace. And I'm not preaching hyper grace. I'm saying when we come into the room and God is saying, I'm going to give you more than what you deserve. You realize how much he loves you. You love him and you'll do whatever for someone you're in love with. And part of giving us more than what we deserve is him being patient and loving and kind and how he disciplines us and how he corrects us in making us more like him. As opposed to the fear end of like, God, I don't know. Did anybody else? He threw this at me. Last night, I'm stuck. Has anybody ever come into the room with God and you're just like, oh, God, please don't. God, please don't. Please don't give me what I deserve. Has anybody felt that way? Please let me see your hand if you felt that way before. Again, if you come in and realize it's grace, you're standing in a room of grace where he's going to give you more than what you deserve. If he gives you more, do you, if you're as bad as you thought you were and as bad as you are compared to God's word, uh, do you need more than what you deserve? Yeah, to fix. You're not going to solve it by getting what you deserve. If you've got him, you get more than what you deserve, and he supernaturally can show you love and change you. So think about that. Just give it a shot. Next time you walk into God, God, please don't give me what I... He said, God, I need more than what I deserve. And you've promised that for me. God, I need more than what I deserve because I need to be fixed. I deserve to go down. You want to bring me up. You want me to understand my real identity, who, which is in you. 
Think about going into that room of grace instead of the room of mercy. We, and there's nothing wrong with mercy. I'm just saying we live in grace. And, and, and in grace, there will be some chastisement. There will be some correction you're going to see in a minute. But understand this so far. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. <laughs> you ever see that before? I've never seen this stuff before. Did they just put this in the Bible? <laughs> Literally, I've read this a bunch of times, but man, this is so good. I'm having revival because I've really never seen myself just standing in grace. But I got I to gotta believe it because do you always feel like you're standing in grace? No. So it takes faith to believe because sometimes it feels like you're standing in a big pile of elephant poo, doesn't it? But that could be grace. You're viewing as grace, God giving you more. He's doing something. I got to see what he's doing in this. So through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, which we stand. And when we stand in this grace, what's your response when you get more? Hey, have you ever like gotten, have you ever gotten more than what you thought you were going to get for something, Steve? Chrissy, how about you? You ever gotten more? We call that a bonus, right? When you get a bonus, Chuck, you're like, oh, dang, man. Oh, what are they doing? What's their intention? Why are they doing it? Some of y'all are probably like that. Most of us, when we get more than we deserve, what's your thoughts? Woo, and what am I going to do with it, <laughs> right? When we should be saying, what does God want to do with it? Why did God hook us up with it? What does God want us to do with it? But man, isn't that exciting when you get more than what you deserve? You know, you do a job and you get paid and all of a sudden there's a little land yap, a little extra and you get more. It's like, woohoo! Isn't that how you respond? That's what grace is. So when you realize you're standing in, in, a, in a room full of grace, what's your natural response? You're going to rejoice. Look at this. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So as we are in this room, hanging out with God, Everything that's in our life, even the stuff we think that's messed up, that needs to be fixed, that shouldn't, whatever, it's there. If God needs to kick it out of the room, he'll kick it out of the room. And if you're listening to him and you're obeying him, he'll kick it out. And you're okay. You're not opening the door, running out, chasing it. Because you only want what God's there. Here's what happens in so often in life. We don't, when we give our life to God, we have a box. How many of y'all got a box? With all your stuff, all your baggage, all your history. How many of y'all got a box? You got a box, got all your, all your hurts, all your joys, got your little league trophies, got your, you know, whatever, man. I'm just, you got everything. Here's your box. I'm good. And you come to Christ and you give him this box. You're in the box. You got, you got this box and you invite God to come into your box. Come on in, God. And he's like, what's all this junk? You're like, junk, this is my life. <laughs> no, this is my box, God. And, and, and God's like, well, hey, we really don't want that in the box anymore, right? Anybody ever have God tell you he didn't want something in the box? You know, uh, we don't really want that. Uh, and, and you know what? How about we get rid of that trophy because there's going to be way better ones now. And you know what ends up happening? Here, that's what we do. We give, we jump in, a, God, we invite God into our box. But you know what God really wants? When we come to him in salvation, he wants us to jump into his box. What did Paul say that he, what did he say about all his achievements? What did he say about all of his accolades? What did he say about all of those credentials? What did he say? He said, they are like what? 
He used the word dung. That's like a big pile of elephant poo. He said it's worth nothing compared to what I have in Christ. So if what you bring is not worth nothing, man, come with an empty box and let God start filling the box. Let him, if you're like, well, this has to be in the box. It's my family. Guess what? He'll put your family in the box. But let him put things in the box instead of making them take things out. Come with a slate clean. Say, God, I'm yours and yours alone. What do you want to do? And I'm not talking, this can happen every single day that you come to God with a clean slate. This is gone. God, what do you want to add today? What do you want to do today? It's yours. I purchased you or you purchased me. What do you want to do? So through him, we have also obtained access by faith into which we stand. So we're uh, in this grace. So we're standing in this room with him with his Holy Spirit, and, and we're standing in grace. More than what we deserve and everything we need and desire, everything we need to do what he's asked us to do, including the desire to do it. And so when we find ourselves in this fellowship with him, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God because it's just an inkling of what it's going to be like in heaven one day. It's just a down payment. That's what he told us the Holy Spirit is. The more we walk in the spirit, the more it's like heaven. And that's up to you on how you want to do that. So um, look at this. He said, not only that, but we rejoice in sufferings. Hey, is it easy to to rejoice when everything's going good? Is it easy to rejoice? But he says, but in this room, when you go into this room with God, when God is encompassing your life and you're full of grace. <laughs> Remember the prayer, maybe if you grew up Catholic, Hail Mary, full of grace. Well, guess what? We can, we can say, you know, Hail Caroline, full of grace. <laughs> you can say, Ethan, full of grace. We're full of grace. We're, when we're full of grace, the desire and ability to do what he wants us to do. We're full of his riches. We're full of these abilities. Man, we're full of grace. We, and, and in this life that he's given us, Again, why didn't he take you to heaven when you, died, when you got saved, Sean? Did he have work for you to do? And, and who does he want everybody to show? Who, who does he want you to show everybody? Him, right? That's what the green is. He wants to put you in situations where you can grow more in love with him. And you grow more in love with him, you grow more in love with others. Your job here is to represent him so people can come into the kingdom. Never, ever, ever look at me. Never, ever, ever is this life about you. Never. It's never about you. But isn't that what the world teaches? Oh, it's about me. It's about my happiness. It's about my joy. It's about my satisfaction. No! Christ says you suffer first, and then we have the joy in heaven. But you can have it here. He, 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 in this, Satan's the one who wants to say, oh, no, have the joy now and deal with all the consequences later. And I'm not saying we can't have joy. We don't are joyous about things. But the fact is, it's never about you. It's never about me. Who's it always about? He purchased us with a price. Chuck, you got a planer, right? You got how many of them planers you got? Them old school skill planers. Four or five of them, right? And you got a guy who can even rebuild them and everything. Would you loan those out to me or anybody here? I got some doors to put on. Will you let me use it to put some doors on? They're metal doors, but I think your blades will work. 
No, and you bought those because you need them for mowing foam when you're shaping boards. What's it like when they all break down? And I know you know that because you made like eight paddle boards and you mowed more foam. His shop, usually when he makes a surfboard, there's like, you know, little dust foam. Dude, this looks like Santa's white Christmas right now. He's mowed so much foam from these paddle boards. What's it like when your, your planer says, I'm just not going to work anymore? Not good, but I bought you. I own you. You need to work for me. Again, it's, that's anthropomorphic. But, but the point is, is that Christ bought you, and he wants to use you. And like a planer that's broke down that needs to be fixed, that's us who needs to repent. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, he says. He's got a lot of purpose in suffering. What are some of the purposes of suffering, y'all? Oh, to help others, okay. And what else? To what? Uh, grow our faith. Yeah, and, and how about not to fall in love with this world? <laughs> That's one of the real real. He's got a lot of reasons. He, he allows us to go through things to strengthen us. The same way a football coach. Anybody play football when they were young? And did you have to do conditioning? <laughs> you know, Gavin, did you ever have to do conditioning for anything? And did you love conditioning? Dude, I can remember conditioning at Flagler College for baseball. And that ain't even a big college. We came back at Christmas, and we came back, and they made us run through St. Augustine. And they had this course, and if everybody didn't make it at this certain time, everybody had to run the course again. And by the fourth time we're running through this course, we're puking in the streets of St. Augustine. We are so sick. And then we had to go do calisthenics. And then we had to go lift weights. And then we had to go to practice. Man, why would they do such a thing? What's the purpose? Yeah. If we didn't do we beat the teams that didn't do that. We had to do that. Because when we came back from Christmas, we were not in shape. We were very much like I am right now. <laughs> we were in shape. We had to get in shape. Did we enjoy getting in shape? No, but did we enjoy winning? Yes. Did we enjoy being able to play the game we were called to play? Yes. And so God has to get us in shape. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We'll talk about that here in a second. But in this, how many of y'all, how many of y'all are like, you know, I'm just close enough to being like God right now that I really just don't need any more training. I'm good. I, I'm right there, God. God, you know what? I think the rest, that little bit more to make me like you, you can handle that in heaven, right? No, how far do you got to go, Gavin? April, how far does Gavin got to go to be like God? Yeah, a long way. And you're only saying that out of love, Right. You know, all of us, dude, we have been called and we're just flabby, out of shape, spiritually out of shape people. We, we need him to continually strengthen us. How many of y'all are glad when he strengthens you spiritually? You've been through a trial and you watch him have the victory. You watch him do something so supernatural, only he can get blamed for it. And, and now, man, you're like, whoa. God did that. Yeah, God did that. But in the middle of it, what were you like? Oh, <laughs> now you weren't too happy. 
So in this, he said, it's going to build these uh, trials. They're going to build endurance, and endurance builds character. Character, what kind of character? How many of y'all are a character? Gary, are you a character? Yeah, man. <laughs> now you're a character, but you have the character of Christ. That's what he's talking about. These trials build endurance, and which produces character so you can be like Christ, not only when it's favorable, but especially when it's not. Isn't that what the world notices? Anybody can act like Christ when everything's cool, but what about when it all goes downhill? Dude, that builds character. Does it builds character, Scott? Yes. And character produces hope. Now, we talked about hope. Last week, the way Paul used hope, he said, he said, when in hope, when all I have is hope, I, I, do you remember exactly the word verbiage, Fernanda? In hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, uh, he, help me out, help me out, help me out. Who took notes? Who, read the last chapter. Just read where it's at. I don't have it. You read it. Oh, you got it? Oh, you got it right up here? Oh. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, in hope. Okay, check this out. So last week he said, in hope, he believed against hope. So that's the context of hope. And we talked about hope last week was, was I hope it's going to happen. We, it's something we expect that's going to go down. But guess what? So in hope, he's got hope that it's going to happen, but he believed against hope. And so the way hope is used in that last part is that when all he's got is hope and he's losing hope, he now instead by faith adds belief. So belief is a stronger word than hope, but it doesn't make hope bad. And in fact, if you can have a situation that gives you more hope, that hope becomes belief in there. So again, in hope, he believed against hope. But here he goes on. Going back, JJ, please. All right. So in this one here, he says, as we go through trials, what it does is it builds endurance how many of you ever went through a workout program? How many of you were trained for a marathon or something, right? Before you were going to be over there. Yeah, trained. And, and, and how many of y'all had hope before you were actually ready to go do it? <laughs> You're like, well, there's hope. I didn't fall down the stairs today, you know. Oh, man, I wish Julia was here today because, man, she taught me. First of all, Rick taught me about my T-band. Any of y'all know you have an IT band, an IT band? Anybody know about that? I didn't know it. I was, he's like, oh, yeah, when I played disc golf, I stretched all the, like, I hurt my back. He said, it was my IT band. I said, do I have an IT band? He's like, yeah. I thought IT band was like a bunch of nerds at karaoke. I'm sorry, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know what IT band was. And, and, and like, well, he said, yeah, and when you pop it, dude, you feel like a new man. I said, well, I want to feel like a new man. And he was like, then you got to stretch it out and pop it. Like, how do you do it? He said, you got to ask the Pilates lady. Pilates lady uh, called me on Tuesday, said, stick your leg up there. Bend in, turn that over, and it's like, oh my goodness, my IT band popped. Oh, and uh, it was like, I feel like a new man. I have hope because, dude, for the first time in about a year and a half, I can actually put my shorts on without holding on to something. <laughs> Anybody identify? I don't really want to know. But it's a humbling experience. I get one leg, but the other one, like, ah! but I have hope. There's progress. I'm not totally fixed, not totally done, but there's hope. That's what he's saying. When are you going to be perfect? When you get to heaven. But how many of y'all see the direction God's taking you and there's hope? 
It's an encouragement. If he can do that to you, if he can change you in this way, oh, I, I can't wait till heaven, which is what he says. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. In other words, it's going to keep building that hope. When we start losing hope, we need belief. We got to believe through faith what he says. But he's just saying it's producing hope. It's better than being hopeless. And so go through these trials realizing God's trying to do something. He's trying to make you grow more in love with him so that you grow more in love with others. And look what he does. He says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So here it is, man. You've been justified by faith. You now have access to this room where you can live 24-7 with God. It doesn't mean you're isolated in a cave. In fact, all the same trials, tribulations, everything you've got going on in life are all there. But they are now there with God's perspective. You have access to come to this room. And as you're going through God's trials and tribulations that he's put in your life to build you up, to make you more like him, and as you see you get more like him, you have hope, you're standing knee-deep in what? What's the G word? Grace. You're standing in grace. You're surrounded by all you're doing when you see life from God's perspective is seeing what you have that you don't deserve. You ever been in a phase of life where you don't see things quite so positively? All you do is think about what you think you deserve and what you're not getting. Wouldn't it be better to have God's perspective and seeing, man, I'm surrounded by all these things I don't deserve. What an awesome way to live. And whatever God wants to do, he, oh, he's bringing a trial. Woohoo! I'm rejoicing in this. My Amazon truck broke down. Yeah, woohoo! let's see what happens now. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. But you got to realize you're surrounded by grace and his Holy Spirit. Look what it says here. And hope does not put us to shame as we have hope. Have you ever had hope? Oh, this is getting better, getting better. And then all of a sudden something happens like, oh, it's getting worse, getting worse. <laughs> That's losing hope. He said, no, man, keep seeing it from God's perspective. You're becoming more like him. It's growing, it's growing, I'm growing, I'm becoming more like him. Whenever you feel like you're losing it, go back and have that belief in him. Hope does not put us to shame. You're bragging, look what God, you know what? God is working in me. God is making me more like him. God is, you know, doing things in my life. And, and are you afraid that it's all of a sudden going to end and you're going to be embarrassed? That God's going to quit? No, he's not going to quit. He said, he's not going to put us to shame because God's love has been what? What's the word? Poured. Oh my goodness. First one, grace. You're standing in grace, okay? Now God's love has been, has been what? It has been poured. Do you get this, man? God's love, it's poured. You're so hoping I don't really actually. You guys get the point. Do I really need to dump this on her? It's poured. It's poured. If I dump this on me, if I pour it on me, am I going to break something, JJ? No, you got to see it, man. You got to see it. It's a, dude, you're standing in God's grace when you're living for him. When you're when when you have access to him and you're standing in his grace, you're there. I know Karen's volunteering to get it poured on her, right? No, but you're you're standing in grace, but then God 
How about that? Nothing got wet, JJ. Oh, I had to. Man, I want you to get... First of all, I never really thought about the fact that when I'm walking in the Spirit, when I'm walking with God, when I choose to be in the room that He's given me access to... First of all, what a shame to have access to such a great place as to God's presence and not take advantage of that because my desires always want something else. Man, when I look at what's in this room, is it, is it worth way more than what I want out of the room? Yes, and I've got to get in the room. And when I'm in this room, man, I have access to everything in this room, which is him constantly. No matter what I do, don't do I have access to that. He's given me access. And when I'm in the room, I'm standing in grace. I'm surrounded. How many of y'all have ever had a pity party because you're thinking about all the things you deserve that you don't have? How often does that happen? A lot, right? I want you to see yourself in the room he's given you access in. And it's loaded with grace, which is getting more than what you deserve. Every time you find yourself, I deserve this, I, de I don't deserve this, and blah, 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 blah. Man, start looking at all the things he's given you, all the things you have to be grateful for, all the things he's given you that you didn't deserve, but he's filled you with. Look at it from that perspective, because you know what I've learned in 61 years of life? I've learned, and in 30, however many years I've been saved, is that God often, often, often in my life, determines his will for my life by what he provides. But yet so often I'm wanting something else or I'm thinking, whoa, woe is me. Man, grace, you have, you're in a room full of more than what you deserve. And if that's not enough, man, when he's got you in these trials, man, don't quit because God's love has been what? What? What's God's love? It's been what? It's been poured. Can you tell I had something poured on me? Even if you didn't see it, that's what the world wants to see. Are they seeing God's love being poured out on you? And in fact, if I had just been sitting in Bob and Ann's lap and when I poured it on myself, it would have poured, splashed on them. That's what's supposed to be happening when he puts us in those tough situations. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Check this out. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit has been given to us. How many of y'all had to earn the Holy Spirit? Anybody make a down payment? Do you have to pay for the Holy Spirit? How many of y'all took out a loan and you're still paying for the Holy Spirit? He's rental, rent to own, Holy Spirit. No, dude, it was given to you. That's God Almighty. Do you understand the God that spoke this world into existence lives inside of you? You understand that? That's awesome. And the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. In fact, when you look at it in the Greek, it says the fruit of the Spirit, singular, is love. But we have, pay, wait a minute, love, patience, joy, goodness, gentleness, meekness, all, uh, all of those are forms of love. Hey, Chuck, you love peace, right? That's your thing, man, peace. And, and, and you know what peace is? It's love resting. It's love resting. Joy, that's love laughing, man. Goodness, that's love giving, Meekness, that's love under control. Man, it's all love. And it's a fruit of the Spirit, so where does it come from? The Holy Spirit. So here's what walking in the Spirit is. Again, walking in the Spirit 
is what do you want me to do now, God? And you do it. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. And when you're doing that, you're doing it in this room where your life is encompassed by him. While you run outside and get outside of his realm, he's still there. But you're doing stuff. You're doing stuff. You know, God doesn't want you to. You're, you're in a place where God doesn't want you. Your, your life isn't about him out here. There's no joy. There's no love. There's no peace till you go back in with him. You got to see it from him. He says, when you walk, if you walk in the spirit, there is absolutely no way you can fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's one or the other that you choose. You choose to walk with him, dude. You're encompassed in love. You got love poured on. You're encompassed in grace. Everything that's going on in your life is there by his design to make you more like him. And he gets glory out of that. In hope doesn't put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love. So in order to experience that love, you have to be walking where? In the spirit. Meaning, what do you want me to do now, God, in doing it? So many don't recognize that love because they're doing what they want to do. Many don't recognize the peace because they're outside that room doing what they want to do. You're still saved. You're still saved when you walk outside that room, but you're not having love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. None of that's there. That's only found walking in the Spirit. And we're capable of doing both. One day in heaven, it won't be that way. So his love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We have the peace of God in every situation because we have peace with God. So if you have peace with God, you have peace. Matthew, no matter what shows up tomorrow at work, you got what? You got peace. Are you going to have to maybe convince yourself of that? You, you might. But you have to believe God over your own thoughts. Destiny, no matter what happens, you got, what do you have? You got peace. Do you believe that? God's word said it. You're either going to believe you or believe God's word. But it may not feel like peace does it. That sometimes does it. But you got to believe what God said, that you got peace. And for some of us, that's harder than others, depending on the circumstance. But what God's trying to do, he's trying to grow us, teach us to be more like him by trusting him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. And uh, it's only by faith I can come to you in the name of Jesus and believe that the one who's holding the tiniest atoms together to the one that's holding the most giant planets together is the one I'm actually talking to. The one that spoke the world into existence is the one I'm talking to. The one who looks at man's most creative, awesome plans that man has and laughs. I'm talking to him, and it's only by faith that I can believe I am talking to you, God. And I'm grateful that you have given me this faith. I'm grateful that you've given many people in here this faith. And I pray, Father, that we would live by faith and not by sight, not by thoughts, not by feelings, and not by desires, but we would live by faith. Father, increase our faith. And we know to increase our faith, you have to bring things in our life that require faith. And often we don't like those because we can't control them. But I'm asking, Father, that you would increase our faith by giving us situations we have no control over, that we have to trust you for, and we have to find solitude in you. This proverbial room we walk into, Father, first of all, we're grateful that we have access. We're grateful that as we're walking through life with you, 
We have all the grace we need. The greater the trouble, the greater the grace. And in that, Father, you're going to give us trials. You're going to give us things. You're, you're the ultimate strength coach. And you're going to make us stronger. And it's going to give us hope. Give us a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven. Father, um, we do look forward to heaven. But while we're here, Father, help us grow more in love with you so we can grow more in love with others. Father, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know they're justified by faith, they don't, they've never surrendered everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. Help them realize there's nothing they can do to save themselves. And when they realize that, and they have to totally depend on you for salvation. And they throw themselves at you and ask you to save them. Father, you're a good God and you will save them. You promise that. Father, for those of us that are saved, I pray we would continue to walk in faith. But realize what an awesome thing it is to be saved. Even on this planet, we have grace. Instead of us always walking to a room of mercy when we come to praying with you, I know there's times we need to repent, we need to confess, we need all these things. But Father, instead of always maybe being afraid, I pray, Father, we would come in grace knowing that we have everything we need to do what you want us to do, that we're in a room full of riches, getting more than what we deserve. And you certainly want to fix us. You certainly want to guide us. You certainly want to show us how much you love us. Father, I pray that's what we would see when we come into that room. And I pray that as we choose to stay in that room, that your Holy Spirit, you, God Almighty and Spirit form that live in us, would empower us, guide us, direct us, show us. We already have all of that. But by faith, help us learn how to implement it how to live in it. Help us overcome our thoughts. Help us overcome our feelings. Help us overcome our wrong desires with faith. And walk in your spirit and have love just pouring out on us so it can splash out on everyone around us. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.